Georgia's DBHDD has an urgent health warning. One of every 10 counterfeit pills contain fentanyl, a powerful and very deadly drug. Pills from friends or dealers are unsafe, and one pill can cause an overdose. More info at opioidresponse.info. Hello and welcome to the Georgia Today podcast from GPB News. Today is Monday, January 8th. I'm Orlando Montoya. On today's episode, severe weather is moving across the state. The Atlanta Falcons have fired their head coach. And today marks the beginning of the 2024 Georgia legislative session. These stories and more are coming up on this edition of Georgia Today. Forecasters are urging Georgians to watch the weather tonight as a fast-changing system moves into the state, bringing high winds and rain. National Weather Service meteorologist Vaughn Smith says strong systems aren't unusual this time of year, but this one could be severe. One of the things that we're looking at with this system uh, is that it's a fairly strong system. Now, we do get strong systems in the wintertime, but we typically don't get a lot of severe weather in the wintertime. It will have the ability to create strong thunderstorms, possible tornadoes, hail, lightning, and also periods of heavy rain. For the Atlanta area, we're looking at about three to four inches. For areas Columbus to Macon, about two to three inches. And for areas south of that, an inch and a half or less. Uh, So basically, we're looking at a lot of water uh, falling over the next uh, 24 to 48 hours. And now that the threats appear to be different depending on what part of Georgia you live in, what do people need to keep an eye on? Basically everything, because this system will have pretty much everything associated with it. Now, the best place for tornadoes will be across central and south Georgia, uh, but everywhere we'll see winds gusting you know, 10 to 20, gusting 30 to 40, and even 50 into the North Georgia mountains. So even though we're not expecting tornadoes in the North Georgia mountains, we'll still have trees down because the winds will still be strong enough. And with the winds, the potential for power outages. That's correct. Yeah, trees fall on power lines, things of that sort. We're also expecting hail with some of the stronger thunderstorms. This, it really is running the full gambit of everything. And we're expecting a little bit of snow on the backside once it moves through on Tuesday, Tuesday night. Uh, some cooler air will be moving in, and there'll still be a little bit of moisture left over. Now, we're not expecting much in the way of accumulation, but we will still see some. And that's snow in the higher elevations of the North Georgia mountains, correct? Right. Well, we could see it even all the way down to the Atlanta area, but it won't be any accumulations. But we could see, you know, the the snow around the backside of the uh, system. We could have additional storms later in the week. What will you be keeping an eye on? Uh, Pretty much the same thing. There's another one that's ramping up uh, for Friday, and it looks very similar to this one. Uh, So we'll be paying uh, very close attention to it once the one that we're dealing with right now goes through. All right. Well, Vaughn Smith, thank you very much for keeping an eye on it, and uh, hope you have a great day. Thank you. Same to you. The Atlanta Falcons have fired head coach Arthur Smith. His dismissal was expected and came late last night after the team completed its third straight losing season. The 41-year-old son of FedEx founder Fred Smith went 7-10 and in each of his three seasons with the Falcons. It was his first NFL head coaching job. In it, he failed to lift the Falcons out of its playoff drought. Smith's fate was announced after the team's ugly 48-17 loss to New Orleans on Sunday. 
State lawmakers started day one of this year's General Assembly today on a somber note. GPB's Sarah Callis reports one member of the State House remembered a personal loss. Representative Sandra Scott from Rex and Clayton County honored her cousin who died in a shooting this year. She said that he passed away on his 11-year-old son's birthday. Scott used the occasion to urge lawmakers to pass gun safety laws this year. Well, as a family member, I'm, I'm hurt. Um, and as a lawmaker, I'm frustrated, angry, um, and just wanted Georgia to do something, come up with some type of common sense gun legislation, because we must have some. Democrats introduced several pieces of gun legislation last year, including safe gun storage laws. Those bills can come back this session. For GPB News, I'm Sarah Callis at the State Capitol. Former President Donald Trump is asking a Fulton County judge to toss out this sweeping election interference criminal case against him. Trump's attorneys today filed a motion claiming he's immune from prosecution for actions he took while he was president. Trump has made similar arguments in federal court. If you like hearing the news from around the state here on Georgia Today, you'll probably like hearing how Georgia's agriculture economy feeds the country and the world on a fork in the road. I'm David Zelsky, and on the Fork in the Road podcast, we feature stories from Georgia's farmers, fishermen, merchants, artisans, chefs, and others who help provide Georgia-grown products to folks in the Peach State and beyond. Find it online at gpb.org slash podcast or download it on your favorite podcast platform. A state judge has rejected a lawsuit to disqualify Georgia Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones from holding office because of his participation as an elector for Donald Trump in 2020. The judge ruled on Friday that the voters who sued aren't entitled to relief. The lawsuit came as a decision on prosecuting Jones on state charges remains in limbo for lack of a special prosecutor willing to take the case. University of Georgia political science professor Charles Bullock says finding one could be challenging. might be difficult for the career, say, of an individual who is Republican to go after the number two Republican in the state. And it might then also be difficult to put a Democrat in this position in that then there could be the claim that it was simply a political prosecution. The Georgia Prosecuting Attorneys Council is responsible for finding a special prosecutor. In a statement to GPB on Friday, a council spokesman said the agency has no timeline for naming one. The Environmental Protection Agency today released the second round of federal funds to help school districts across the country transition to alternative fuel buses. As GPB's Grant Blankenship explains, Georgia is benefiting from the Clean School Bus Program in more ways than one. The new announcement brings total program spending in Georgia to about $192 million in 27 school districts. Some, like Floyd County Schools in northwest Georgia, are spending on propane buses. Others, like the DeKalb County School District, are going exclusively electric. Bluebird, a leading builder of EV buses, is based in the city of Fort Valley, a reason EPA Administrator Michael Regan says clean buses are a win for Georgia workers. We're thinking about it through the lens of economic development, job growth, good-paying jobs, by the way, good-paying union jobs, and the environmental health and climate benefits. So far, Bluebird has worked with districts across the country to win just under $170 million in direct Clean School Bus Program awards. For GPB News, I'm Grant Blankenship in Macon. 
QCell's $2.5 billion solar plant under construction in northwest Georgia's Bartow County will supply Microsoft with renewable energy. The two companies announced a partnership agreement this morning. QCells calls it the company's largest engineering, procurement, and construction services agreement to date. The plant near Cartersville is expected to employ 2,000 people when it begins operations later this year. Microsoft also is building a facility in the area. The company announced a billion-dollar data center coming to Floyd County in 2027 or 2028. State lawmakers begun this year's General Assembly at the state capitol this morning. Last night, many of them met at Feeding Georgia's annual Wild Hog Supper. The event, sponsored by the statewide food bank, raises funds for a program to reduce hunger in Georgia. It also kicks off a series of legislative preview events that offer a glimpse into how lawmakers plan to tackle issues ranging from the economy to health care and more. House Majority Caucus Chair Athens Republican Houston Gaines said public safety, especially school safety, is a priority for the GOP. When I think of issues of importance, there's nothing more important than keeping our children safe in schools. He also said Republicans want to push other education issues and income tax reduction. House Minority Caucus Chair Stone Mountain Democrat Billy Mitchell said Medicaid expansion and maternal mortality are priorities for Democrats. But we need to correct those things so that we can make sure that Georgia is not only a place, good place to do business, but to live, work, and have a baby. He also said Democrats want to address gun law reforms and the cost of living. The legislative session will continue for 40 days. And joining me now to talk more about what to expect in the 2024 legislative session is Donna Lowry. She's the host of Jeep Bees Lawmakers, which begins its 54th season tonight. Donna, good to have you here. Glad to be here. Let's start with the basics. We have 56 senators, 180 representatives. I think there are two vacancies right now. Who are the players to watch? Well, I'd say all of the Republican leadership. It's an election year. All the seats in both the House and Senate are up for grabs. So we will see everyone in campaign mode, first of all. And I mentioned Republicans in particular because they are the party in power and will want to push the party's agendas the same way the Democrats would do if they were in power. And during the special redistricting session in December, we got a kind of preview of things. Republicans brought up some resolutions to try to get Democrats to commit to votes on issues they did not expect. One resolution condemned Hamas and supported Israel, and the other was to support Atlanta's Public Safety Center, better known as Cop City, which is now under construction. And Democrats accused Republicans of political gamesmanship for forcing votes on issues that have traditionally split Democrats, both locally and nationally. Both resolutions passed, though, and some Democrats abstained or excused themselves from voting on both issues. Now, the only thing lawmakers are constitutionally required to do is pass a budget. And although tax collections aren't growing as fast as they were several years ago, there's still room to spend and that $11 billion surplus sitting there. So what proposals are we likely to see on the budget? So as a reminder in Georgia, at the beginning of the budget process, the governor sets the revenue estimate. And we expect to learn what the governor is going to do when he gives a state of the state address on Thursday. Last month, the governor announced plans for a couple of areas of the amended fiscal 2024 budget. One is the $1,000 holiday bonus. He called it an employee retention pay supplement, and that's to all state workers. That went to about 
112,000 state employees, 196,000 teachers, and school support staff statewide. That initiative will cost the state roughly $330 million. So that is part of the amended fiscal 2024 budget before we look at the fiscal 2025 budget. The budget will also include more than $100 million for K-12 schools to beef up security and safety plans. This will be a line item for the very, very first time. That's roughly $45,000 for every public school in Georgia. Another item dealing with the budget, we will see the governor talk about his, he wants to accelerate a decrease in the income tax rate. A little complicated, but basically a bill last year already passed that will reduce the rate. But given the state surplus that you mentioned, he wants to do it sooner. So he calls it the largest income tax cut in state history. Now, the way the legislature works is that if a bill doesn't pass in the first year after an election, it can return the next year. So this is actually the second year in a two-year legislative cycle. Are there any high-profile bills from last year that lawmakers kicked the can on that we might expect to return this year? Yeah, the first one that we expect probably this week or the next few days, one of the first they'll deal with is the anti-Semitism bill. The anti-Semitism bill passed in the House last year, not the Senate. It has been controversial in the language. The language deals with the IHRA definition, which is the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance definition. And some people who have a problem with it say that it will not allow for any criticism of Israel. So people are afraid that they may face charges if they criticize Israel at all. So that has been very controversial, but we've heard from Republican leadership that that is something that they want to see happen and fairly soon. The other bill starting to come back is the school voucher bill. The Senate approved the bill by Senator Greg Dulezal, Senate Bill 233, but the House shot it down. It was really, really close, 89 to 85, with a handful of Republicans actually crossing party lines to seal its fate. That is likely to come back. The school voucher bill has been something that the Republicans have wanted for a while. They have really pushed, but some Republicans in rural areas are afraid of money being taken out of public education and going to these vouchers. So it's there has been a lot of work, we understand, behind the scenes to try to pull those Republicans in. I will tell you that state groups such as teacher groups have been totally against this, and overall Democrats are against anything dealing with school vouchers, anything coming out of public education. So-called divisive concept bills were front and center in recent years. Are there any bills this session that are likely to stir up debate and controversy? I think that we're going to see some issues dealing with abortion. That is likely to be controversial again this year, of course. Uh, There has already been talk about that. And bills dealing with voting. We are likely to see some things where the Democrats in particular are going to push back on some of the legislation that has come through, some of the laws that have come through in the last few years uh, that they change the way people vote. Some of the legislation has been pre-filed dealing with voting. It may not go anywhere. We also may see Republicans have some bills that will come out that will deal with voting. As you know, the 2020 election 
is still front and center in everybody's mind when it comes to anything going on, both at the state level and at the national level. GPB's Lawmakers airs every night. The legislature is in session on GPB-TV starting tonight at 7. Tell me a little bit about the broadcast and what you have new this year. Yeah, we're very excited that we the broadcast, as you know, is, at, is a half hour, but we do four shows that are an hour long, including this week. We will have an hour-long show for the State of the State. If you miss the State of the State in the morning, and of course that is live-streamed, you can get that through gpb.org. But we will have it also on our show that Thursday night, and it will show the entirety of Governor Kemp's message. We also air the Democratic response. So that is one of our hour-long shows. Of course, we do an hour-long show on the budget, which, as you mentioned, is the only mandated reason that the General Assembly meets. We do crossover day and, of course, signee die. Our first show uh, tonight will deal solely with the priorities. And we're excited because we expect to have leaders on both sides of the aisle come on our show and talk about their priorities. Donna Lowry is host of GPB's Lawmakers. Thank you very much. Thank you. And you can tune in to the State of the State Address on Thursday at 11 a.m. live here on GPB Radio and at gpb.org. Super Bowl Sunday will remain the only Sunday that Augusta bars will be allowed to serve alcohol. State law permits local governments to choose just one day per year when bars can serve alcohol. Augusta usually picks Super Bowl Sunday. But after some bar owners missed out from Sunday sales on the recent New Year's Eve, Augusta commissioners started thinking about other possible Sundays this year, specifically St. Patrick's Day or Cinco de Mayo. Today, after some discussion and receiving input from 15 bars, commissioners stuck with the Super Bowl coming up soon on February 11th. And that's it for today's edition of Georgia Today. You can find many of these stories that we hear on this podcast on our website, gpb.org news. That website is kept updated 24-7, 365, so always look for Georgia news there. If you haven't yet hit subscribe on this podcast, we'd love for you to do that. That just helps yourself to keep up to date with Georgia Today in your podcast feed. And if you have feedback, we'd love to hear that from you as well. Email us at georgiatoday at gpb.org. I'm Orlando Montoya. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.